Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 944. My number one thing is always think about other people. Helping others will come around and help you in the long run 100% of the time. If you invest time into other people, they'll invest time back into you. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Stu Wallacer. Hey, Stu, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You know what? I'm ready for a good cruise. Let's go. All right. Stu Wallacer is the owner of Stu's Self-Service Garage in Kirkland, Washington. That's just up the road from where I live here in Gig Harbor. His business is unique in that he provides a full mechanic shop that's available for the public's use. Stu started working on cars when he first started driving, and the need for a garage to fix his car while in college, as he was sitting in a dorm room, sparked an idea for Stu's Self-Service Garage a place where people could work on their own cars with all the tools they need along with expert advice. He wrote a business plan and opened his shop in 2014, and Stu's is a premier place to work on your car while providing expert mechanical advice as you go along. Stu was recognized by 425 Business Magazine as a 30 Under 30 recipient, and he's been featured in Popular Mechanics as well. So Stu, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more? about your business and a very obvious passion for working on automobiles. Yeah, you know, the bug bit hard uh, when I turned 16. My dad gave me my first car. It was $500 and said, if you want to drive, you better keep it on the road. And so uh, you know, I had to learn to work on the car. If I, if I wanted to drive, I had to work on it. I couldn't afford a mechanic. And so that's kind of what started it all. And we are here today because of that. And I, you know, I really appreciate my dad taking that philosophy right to me. The journey has been long. The uh, shop has really transformed from when we first opened. We, When we opened in 2014, we had five lifts, with three of them being four-post drive-on lifts, which I thought would be more useful, but it turns out they're not. Uh, so I've, I've learned a lot. The uh, shop mm-hmm. is getting busier and busier by the day. When we first opened, we spent a lot of time twiddling our thumbs and now it's to the point where we're seeing, you know, five to 10 people a day, at least every day. And then Saturdays and Sundays is just crazy busy. We now have seven bays with lifts. Every bay has a full tool set in it with air tools. So you're going to be covered on pretty much any mechanical job you need to do. That's kind of the philosophy here is everything from oil changes to engine swaps. And we found that most people have no problem getting what they want done uh, in our just over three years. We've had about 10 people who've uh, decided to quit and have their cars towed out. But every everybody else of the thousands and thousands of uh, jobs have been able to get it done. And, and they've been really happy with themselves getting it done. And it's really exciting uh, to see that people are able to fix the car themselves, feel really good about it, and, and of course, save some money. This is such a cool idea. I love everything about this. Kind of a disruptor in the car repair field. Most of the time you hear about mechanics saying, well, if you want to watch me work on your car, the rate just doubled. And if you want to help me, it's going to triple. So basically, get out of here. I'll fix it and come back when it's done. But I love the fact that you're helping people learn. And most people don't have all the tools and the facilities or lifts at home in their garage. And that keeps them from being able to work on their car. But I think there's probably another element here 
And that is the camaraderie of, of men, women in the garage, working on their cars, being friendly, being sociable. You've kind of created a, a fun club atmosphere, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, it is becoming a community. The great thing about cars is it's a universal thing. You know, it's everybody from pizza delivery guys to, you know, Fortune 10 executives. Everybody can be a car person from all walks of life, all levels of income. You know, the toys just get uh, more expensive as you go up in income level. But people love it, and it's great to see the different types of people. You know, we get all walks of life here, and they get along great. You know, my favorite example is we had – a pizza delivery guy, uh, he was fixing his Ford Pro, but needed brakes. You know, he's delivering pizzas all the time, so he's doing brake pads constantly. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we had a 996 that's heavily modified. I mean, the thing makes over a 1,000-wheel horsepower. And this guy's a, a big-time uh, exec, and they were chatting it up, getting along great. And yeah. where else would you see something like that, where the pizza delivery guy yeah. is right next to the big exec, having a good conversation. It, it was great. Yeah, I love this story. You know, I've, I've said that before. Cars kind of cross all boundaries, and uh, they cross socioeconomic boundaries, political boundaries, religious boundaries. Everybody who's a car person just has an immediate friend when they meet a, another car person, no matter what. And that's what I love about your journey. And we're going to learn a lot more as we move along through our talk here today. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that has some meaning for you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Stu, take the wheel. You know, my favorite quote is from Arnold Schwarzenegger that he gave at his USC commencement address quite a few years ago, and it's, you can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in your pocket. (laughs) And I took that to heart. You know, uh, if you want to get out there and do something, you have to do it. You actually have to... Just put your nose to the grindstone. You have to really climb the ladder of success with your hands, and and you can't sit idle and and let somebody else do it for you because you'll come to find that if you want to advance, you're going to have to do it yourself. Absolutely, and I love as it relates to your business because it's very hands-on working on automobiles, and I remember that commencement. You can find it on YouTube. It's a wonderful talk. Of course, a guy who's been very successful and overcame all sorts of crazy obstacles and roadblocks in his way to get there. So just think, just try to talk with a heavy accent and have that last name and try to be a star in Hollywood. You just kind of shake your head and go, how did that guy do it? But you know yep. what? He did. He kept his hands out of his pockets for sure. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. You talked a little bit about your dad giving you that first car that needed a lot of work, but I think this might go further back. So tell us about a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy. You know, I was in elementary school. It had to have been like first or second grade. And I saw my first Ferrari model. I'm like, you know, we were in Costco and they, it was like Christmas time and we're going down the aisles and they've got all the toys out and whatnot. And there were all these model cars and and there were Ferraris and Lamborghinis. And I was looking at that. I'm like, wow, those are really cool. You know, my parents, they had Toyota trucks and, and a Prius. So, I mean, pretty <laughs> yeah. boring cars. And they're not car people at all. But I see, I see these model cars and I look at them and I'm like, wow, those are those are some cars. Those look really cool. And uh, I grew up with a computer. Uh, I learned how to type before I could write. And so, went home and I just started looking up Ferrari and Lamborghini and just and looking this up. And this was, you know, very early days of the internet too. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just 
it got me you know looking at these cars they were just so so cool and and i just wanted to know more about them and it's turned me into kind of a ferrari nut if you will and it's always been just that start of seeing those model cars and and from there i i wanted to buy model cars and i wanted to have the car posters and i was drawing cars on everything and it it I was just hooked immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was a model builder myself, too. Back uh, when I was a kid, I'm much older than you, obviously. You're How old are you? I am 23. I'm getting ready to turn 24 at the end of the month, actually. All right. Well, happy, uh, happy early birthday to you. But, uh, you know, you're a young guy, so you have a long way to go. But, uh, yeah, finding out about different model cars and makes when you're young, and I did the same thing. For me, it was Jaguar which kind of started it for me. But, uh, yeah, the models are cool. Well, let's uh, take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Now, creating your own business, starting your own business, putting this all together, financing, insurance, I mean, all the things, the moving parts you have to deal with are no doubt fraught with a lot of ups and downs. So take us to a point in time where you met up with a big challenge or even a big failure. Walk us through it and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum with your business. I've got a pretty uh, unique challenge that I faced uh, when opening my business. A, being a young person, you are immediately discounted. You are going to have to work a lot harder just because you're dealing with a little bit of age discrimination. But I originally was going to open my business in Redmond. We had leased a space. We had got all the tools and equipment put in. We checked off all the zoning, all the, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And I had leased these two suites in this building uh, under the condition that the landlord would take the wall out between them and open it up so he'd have one big continuous shop space. And so he was in the process of, of doing that. And the fire marshal showed up for the inspection on my business license and he sees this hole in the wall and he's like, oh, that's kind of an awful thick wall. And he's looking at it, looking at it, looking at oh, it. And no. he goes, uh, <laughs> where's the permit for this? I'm like, well, that's handled by the landlord. You're going to have to talk to him. And he, he puts a stop work tag and red flags the whole thing. And it turns out that was a major firewall that actually yeah. divided the building into thirds. I knew exactly and, where you were going with that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. So it turned out that due to some filing errors, the way that Redmond handles their coding, uh, my space, which was originally tagged for heavy industrial use in mm -hmm. the zoning and the coding, uh, was actually for light warehousing. Mm. So it turned out that I actually couldn't be there. Uh, and so I had to pack all of our lifts, all of our tools, all of our equipment up in three days oh and my put gosh. it in a storage unit. So, I mean, we had all of five lifts set up. We had seven toolboxes full of tools. We had tons of equipment all over the place, an air compressor. And I had three days. I had to move it all into two storage units. Oh, I had a, man. A 10 by 20 and a 10 by 10. And we managed to fit an entire shop into those two storage units. And so wow. that was a real eye opener. The real estate uh, industry is a very interesting one. I learned a lot in, in signing that lease. So going forward, I really knew <laughs> yeah. maybe more so than I wanted. But that was a really tough challenge because we were set up and ready to go. I mean, we were in the process of getting our license and certificate of occupancy to open. We were ready to open. We were yeah. like days away. And then to find out that, nope, you cannot open here. You will have to move out immediately. It was a shocker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that 
last day of taking the last load of the storage unit is probably one of the worst days I've ever had to watch my dream literally crumbling in front of me. Uh, <laughs> that oh, was man, I feel so bad for you listening to this story, but it brings back so many memories. My father was an architect and worked in construction, and I used to help him with some projects back when I was a kid. And I remember a house that uh, a client of his was working on, and they wanted to do some of the work themselves and didn't want to pay for an engineer. And Started ripping down a wall. Turns out it was a load bearing wall and <laughs> collapsed the roof. And yeah, it's like there's some there's some stuff you need to learn. So what's the big takeaway for you here? Obviously, the landlord should have known. Uh, and then when it goes back to everything, the landlord should have known that that was a wall that could not be removed. But you know what? They don't know everything. So what's your takeaway for people that you might share? So maybe they don't run into a similar catastrophe. You really need to do a lot of due diligence. You're going to come to find that there are a lot of people who are going to tell you things that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so you just need to fact check and, and confirm everything. It was a, a hard lesson to learn. I, I did learn it the hard way. But I, I've come to find that you really need to do on any deal, any lease, contract, whatever. You need to do a lot of due diligence and confirm that it is exactly what you think it is yep. because it gets a lot more expensive, believe me, when it isn't. Yeah, yeah. No, great lesson, and you're right. Fact check, fact check, fact check. A question, everything, especially when it comes to zoning laws, permit laws. When you start dealing with the government and cities and all their rules and regulations, I mean, it's it's there's a spider web of stuff going on here, so – very hard lesson to learn. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't even imagine what those three days were like. I, that's just uh, horrible. It was, <laughs> it was tough, but you find out who your friends are. You know, yes. that I called up a bunch of people, and unfortunately, I had 10 to 12 people show up and, and help me the, through those three days. And yeah. you know, I really appreciated a lot. Everybody, you know who you are on that one. I really yeah. appreciated the help on that. Oh, yeah. Friends are invaluable. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Maybe it was when you were sitting in that dorm room trying to figure out, how am I going to work on this car without a garage? Uh, it's, I like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new direction. So tell us about your aha moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the time, I was driving a, uh, it was like a 2001 Toyota Tacoma, and the uh, suspension was pretty flat. The shocks were bad. It, it needed some work. So I had ordered up a lift kit for it because I figured, you know, I might as well. At the time, I was at Central Washington University, and this is December. If you've never been to Ellensburg before, it's windy, cold, and snowy, and wet. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm staring down the prospect of doing an entire lift kit with a very limited selection of tools in a dorm parking lot that is covered in snow and ice. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're a brave guy. (laughs) Now, I'm thinking this might not be the best idea. And so I started calling around to some shops in Ellensburg saying, hey, you know, I'm a college student. I'd don't have a whole lot of money. I'd love to, uh, you know, pay you to do this, but I can't. Would I be able to just rent some garage space from you? And the answer from everybody was a resounding no. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> or click of the phone, <laughs> and they didn't even respond. And so I was sitting in the dorm room, going, "Geez, guys, how am I going to do this? You know, I, I guess I could drive it back home uh, and do it there." And but I was sitting there, and I'm like, "Man, you know, there has to be a place where they have the lifts and the tools, and there's a guy there who can answer questions if you have them." Because at the time, I was still pretty new to to fixing stuff. I didn't know all the answers, and and so I'm sitting there, and I go, "You know what? 
this place needs to exist. I, I was sitting there, my buddies are there, and I go, guys, I'm st- I'm doing this. I'm going to start up a place. It's going to be like every bay is going to be what I would want in my personal garage. I want it fully equipped with tools, lift, everything. Like I wanted everything. And so I started to do the research, and I realized that, A, this has been done before. Uh, I am not an original idea here. This has been done through the years. But a lot of them close up, and I started to try to figure out why. And I've identified a few things as to why they do close up. But I decided I was just going to go out and do it with my own style. And I've had some good success being here three years now. And and I wanted to just make it my personal home garage would look like this. And I realized that there are a lot of other people who have pretty much the same philosophy of if they had a personal home garage that they could make it exactly how they wanted. My vision is fairly close to what most people are thinking. Yeah, no, it's great. It's wonderful. I love it. How about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had several in these three years you've been in business, things that have made you feel pretty good. You've made a lot of people happy. You've helped people learn. And that's the best thing we can do in life is help people help themselves. Is there a proudest moment you could share with us? Uh, certainly the one that really stands out to me is the first year of being open and making it through that first year. That's obviously very tough. There's lots of statistical numbers out there that say that most businesses are going to fail within their first year. So making it for, through the first year was certainly a proud achievement. But one of my favorite moments is we have a customer here He's a software engineer at Microsoft, and he bought a 80s BMW 3 Series, and he didn't know anything about cars. He didn't know tools, nothing, but he wanted to learn. And so he went out and he bought this broken E30 BMW, and he showed up here and said, I want to learn. And he started with oil changes, and then he worked his way up into the point where he has replaced the engine, he's rebuilt the entire suspension, he's fixed every single mechanical thing on this car. I mean, this is the most pristine mechanical condition E30 you're ever going to find on the road. Wow. And he did this over the course of about a year and a half. And he came in and he would just put his nose down and he would get it done and he'd ask us tons of questions and, and he learned a lot. And, you know, that's, it's really something that I kind of point to and say that is like the most perfect success story for a customer here. And I feel really proud of that. uh, That a customer felt so confident before they'd even come in that they could go buy this car and go, these guys are going to help me fix it. These guys are going to like provide the environment and answer my questions. And that was just something that was so exciting for me to, to kind of see the evolution of this car and his abilities to to fix it and the questions became less and less as he learned more and more and it's just really great to see that Uh, that is probably one of my kind of proudest moments outside of just standard business achievements oh absolutely what comes to mind is you know back in the day like when i was in high school they had shop class and you could go to shop class and learn how to work on your own car or other people's cars, and they've done away with all that, it seems like, in most of the schools around the country. And so you're you're basically running the high school shop class there, if you will, being the instructor yeah. and helping people become independent. And you know, here you have a, a guy at Microsoft who's very technically minded, I should say, around the computer. But, uh, you know, around the car, there's some things to learn and things are different with that hands-on. So, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> That's a very cool story. 
Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car, that first car that you got that had great meaning for you, and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. Well, so when I was 16, uh, my dad gave me a 1988 Audi 80. This car, I mean, it was, it, I called it the original hoopty. This is not a car that I was very proud of, <laughs> but it was humbling. You know, I wanted to be the 16-year-old driving around the brand new M3, right? Mm-hmm. And so my dad said, keep it on the road. Don't get a ticket. Don't crash it. For your high school graduation, I will buy you a better car. And so I managed to not crash it. I did not get tickets. And uh, for my high school graduation, my dad bought me a 1998 BMW M3. Oh, cool. Uh, So I I finally had the the car to match my enthusiasm. And that was exciting. You know, I I had a very great car. The E36 is a a great chassis. The M3, obviously, great pedigree. And it was just really exciting to to get this car finally and and have a enthusiast car. Uh, It's a M3 Astoral Blue Sedan manual. It has the late model options on it. And I searched for nine months for this car because I started to realize that the qualities that I wanted were pretty unique. Uh, I'd come to find that they really didn't make very many of these uh, Astoral Blue sedans in manual. I think there were about 400 of them made that were brought to the North America. So yeah. I had a real challenge, you know, being uh, 2012. A lot of these cars are not on the road anymore. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, E36 M3s, I had two of those, and that was my first introduction into the world of BMW way back. In fact, both of them led me to doing track days with the BMW Club out of Pacific Raceway, which led to vintage racing. I love those cars and then moved up into the first of the E46 M3s. And the car I have now is a, a 2005 E46 M3. I've, I love those cars. They just do everything well, from track days to driving to the grocery store, whatever you want to do. They're absolutely wonderful. Oh, yeah. You know, that was it was like the pinnacle of daily driver that that was attainable you know it's not a a supercar but it was a perfect daily driver it's going to be able to go to the grocery store and then go to the track day at the same time yeah and Astro blue that's a great color too so nice score well how about seller's remorse Uh, you're still a young guy so maybe you haven't had a chance to have seller's remorse but is there a car you let go you wish you had back I've only ever sold one car, so <laughs> lucky you. I guess I have that going for me in yeah. the sense. So the the Audi eighty that was the original hoop, and uh, we sold that for three hundred dollars when it barely drove anymore. I don't want that car back. <laughs> <laughs> I I have my fair share of uh, hoopties, and yeah. that is one that that's okay with that one going away. The, I would be truly devastated though, if I did have to sell the M3. So that yeah. that's one that I definitely do not plan to get rid of. There you go. Wise idea. Well, let's talk about today. We're into the new year here. Happy new year to everybody. And I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how your business works. Stu's self-service garage in Kirkland, Washington. Tell our listeners how everything works. How do people pay? How are you billing? I mean, all the different aspects of things so that people can kind of understand how this works. Because for most people, the idea of going into someone else's shop and working on cars is fraught with a lot of, well, how, how do you make that happen without disasters going on? So kind of walk us through and uh, and pitch us on why this is a great idea. So the uh, basics of it are we've got the lifts, tools, equipment, expert advice. You come in and work on your own car. 
For the lift, it's $40 an hour. It includes the tools, the expert advice, the lift. It's a heated shop. It's well lit. And you come in and, and do exactly that. You work on your car. Uh, we are here to answer questions. We show you how to use the lifts. We show you how to use any tools that you don't know how to use. So you're going to be operating the lift. You are literally your own mechanic, which mm-hmm. is our slogan, be your own mechanic. And I, we try to take that to heart and, and letting you do everything in the shop. And so you come in, you check in with us in the office, you sign a liability waiver, of course, and then we guide you into the shop and you do the job that you're here to do we take care of all uh waste fluids and parts i guess not all waste fluids we cannot take gasoline or diesel but coolant oils of all kinds we can take care of that Mm -hmm. and when you're done you check out with us and then you pay and it you know the clock starts when you come into the shop and Mm -hmm. the clock ends when everything's cleaned up and put away and we basically hit a start and stop button on your ticket whatever the time is is what you pay and You can book online ahead of time, so you don't have to just drop in. You can book in advance, which is popular for our weekends, as we are usually at capacity on Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it's good to make an appointment in advance. It's really just straightforward. Uh, I try to keep it about as easy as we possibly can because, you know, the prospect of going into somebody else's shop and using their equipment can seem a little bit intimidating or daunting. So I try to kind of view it from your perspective and go, yeah, you know, if I was like that, I would try to keep it as simple and straightforward as possible. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love everything about it. It's absolutely fantastic. So again, congratulations for making this concept work. Here's a very introspective question for you, Stu. If you were a car, what kind of car would Stu be and why? I've put a lot of time into thinking about this one. This is the the question that I knew was going to stump me. And uh, (laughs) Good. (laughs) I've kind of decided that if I was a car, I would be my 68 Mustang. And the reason behind that is it's a car that has just kept going. I mean, this is a 50-year-old car. It's still on the road today. It, it just keeps going. It keeps working. It's easy to fix up and just keep on the road. And it just goes. And that is kind of my philosophy is just keep going. Yeah. Just get it done and and this car just kind of embodies that it's a, a little rough around the edges it's not perfect but it gets the job done and it's kind of a, a timeless classic and i figure that is a great car that would be a good example of myself and my philosophies very well thought through i like that the energizer bunny just keeps on going <laughs> exactly without the hands in the pockets you got to just keep yourself going i love yep, it just Bang the drum just like the Energizer Bunny. You just keep going. There you go. Well, Stu, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. 
and they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Stu, we're back and we're entering the last lap. This is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. All righty. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? That is a tough question because I've received a lot of uh, automotive advice, but my favorite thing to tell people is always use the biggest lever. When you're removing a bolt, you just get the biggest wrench you can get. Uh, you want as much torque as possible, and don't be afraid to use your legs. Sometimes that's how you're going to get that bolt off. You don't have to be just using your arms. You can get your legs in there and go to town. There you go. Great advice. Where were you back in the day when I was trying to remove some of those very rusty fasteners on some of my old cars? Would you oh, share? Yeah. <laughs> would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years? I like to refocus myself daily. A couple hours before I go to sleep at night, I like to go over all of the tasks and things that I need to get done, and and I work away on at least one of those things. And I spend about an hour to two hours just every night before I go to bed working on that. And I keep an annual plan for the shop and and then broken down into that as quarters and months and weeks. And and I just kind of go in and I, I refocus on, okay, what do I need to get done and why is this important? Great, great idea. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would enjoy? Absolutely. The uh, big thing that a lot of people are always looking for are parts and specifically used parts for trying to save money. I like to go to uh, carpart.com. It's a great resource for people to connect with uh, junkyards and wrecking yards to find parts. You can put in your year, make, model and other specifications about your car and you can find junkyards that have these parts they can ship them right to you or if they're close enough you can go in and get it yourself you know it is a great resource i had a challenge with one of my older bmws they come with those toolkits in the back in the trunk which mm-hmm. of course nobody Never uses have all the tools <laughs> but somebody borrowed a mine i think they took them uh i don't know when it happened or how it happened but it did but i i went through that source and i found a brand new set because most of them never get used as tools they're just there for Pretty looks like show, yeah, yeah, and uh, but you know it was important for me to have them in the car, so the thing was was all together. But yeah, I found a whole brand new set for uh, less than half the price of what the BMW would have charged me. 
Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? This was another tough one. You know, there's so many people in the automotive industry who were trailblazers, but I would have to say Vic Edelbrock Jr. Uh, he was somebody who's passed away recently, and uh, I unfortunately never got an opportunity to meet him. Uh, I've heard many great things about him, but he really kind of stands out to me as somebody who really just kind of pioneered a lot of different things in the automotive aftermarket industry. I mean, Edelbrock started many, 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 many decades ago. And, and it's kind of an early player in the aftermarket industry. And, and Edelbrock Jr. really grew it into, I mean, a massive company. I mean, Edelbrock's one of the biggest aftermarket companies in the country and yes. probably the world. Yeah, yeah. I had arranged to have him on this show twice. He had to cancel for various reasons. And of course, we lost him last year. Huge loss, but what an incredible guy. The company he built, it, it's just absolutely phenomenal. So uh, that would be pretty special. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that our listeners should read? Kind of going back to my uh, medical interests where I kind of early started. Um, one of my favorite books is called Mountains Beyond Mountains by Tracy Kidder. It's uh, not at all a car book. Uh, it's about a pathologist, Dr. Paul Farmer, and his kind of relentless quest to literally cure the world. Uh, he The book mainly focuses on his time in Haiti trying to treat and cure tuberculosis in probably some of the most underserved communities. I mean, this guy is literally hiking hours into the mountains of Haiti to get people this medicine and treat them. And, and Dr. Paul Farmer is a top pathologist. He's a Harvard med guy. He is one of the top guys around, and he's taking his time to go and serve underserved people. And, and that really just kind of sticks out to me. And the book is really great. Ah, awesome. I'm glad you recommended that. First time that book's been recommended. I love new books being recommended here at Cars. Yeah. I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources Stu has shared with us today on his Cars. Yeah. Show notes page. Just go to Cars. Yeah.com. I've been Stu Walliser, W-A-L-I-S-E-R is how you spell Stu's last name. You'll find this book with a quick link to buy, and there's a huge amount of books listed on, on the Cars yeah website under Guest Recommended Books, where there's over a 1,000 awesome books listed, and I made it really easy for you to buy there just with a quick click. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Stu, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy, but it's a fun thought. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today. doesn't matter what it is, where it is, who belongs to it. It's going to end up in your garage bay. And money is no object, so don't worry about that. I'll even cover the insurance, so you're covered. What would that car be and why? Going back to my uh, early inspiration, I would have to pick a Ferrari 57M Marinello with a gated six-speed. That is right there at the top of my list of favorite cars. I've yet to, to drive one. I've driven many, many cars, but that is... That's the one that uh, I've decided is going to be my first Ferrari. I have to buy one, and it is, uh, it's really, they're great-looking cars. They drive great from what I hear, and that is one that I definitely want to have in the garage. Nice. What color would you like that to be? It would have to be red on black. You got to go with Ferrari red, uh, and I'm not a fan of tan interiors, so black interior is uh, something that I kind of personally enjoy. I'm with you there. I love it. Well, Stuart... You've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your very unique business. Great idea. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the CarShell listeners and with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the mountains in that Ferrari? 
that I'm going to supply you with? <laughs> My number one thing is always think about other people. Helping others will come around and help you in the long run 100% of the time. If you invest time into other people, they'll invest time back into you. Very well said. Very noble. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Uh, Stu'sGarage.com is the main resource for Stu's self-service garage. You can find us on Facebook as well. If you just go onto that Facebook search bar and search Stu's self-service garage, our Facebook page stays pretty active. That's where we post most of our news. So anything you want to know, you can find it there. Tons of pictures, tons of info. You can basically take a virtual tour right there. Very cool. Again, listeners, you can find all of this on Stu's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Again, just go to carsyeah.com. I've been Stu Walliser, and that page will pop up. Follow along with what this young man's doing. Brilliant idea. And if you live up here in the Northwest and you want to work on a car and you don't have the space, Stu's the guy to call. Stu, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. I appreciate it, Mark. It was great chatting with you. Pleasure's been all mine. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!